Alex Carell is one of over 70,000 Google Career Certificate graduates. The Google Career Certificate program completely changed the trajectory of my life. I've always been interested in computers, but I never thought I could turn this into a career. Anytime I got a little break, I just pop open the course on my phone. That allowed me to have that path into a career that I'm passionate about. Train online for in-demand jobs in IT, UX design, data analytics, project management, and more. Visit grow.google/certificates. This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. Starting May 5th on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure and agony as teams go head to head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through pain is the name of the game. With so much edge of your seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your sweater. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning May 5th on TNT and TBS. <laughs> What's that? Like at the drive through. That was the drive through. <laughs> I started off as like airplane, and then it quickly turned into drive through. <laughs> but either way, I liked it. I that was, was nice. I, that was, the that one, was creative. That's the one I was trying to do last week, but then like everything just went <laughs> the, the donkey the lady thing like yeah. threw, threw everything off. Threw everything. The best part of that whole podcast <laughs> was when we got to the donkey lady and we were chat. And we were in the intro music, and Ian was like, well, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Oh, well, welcome to Honey Hole Hangout, guys. Welcome. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah. Thanks for honey holing. Honey holing. Um, Honeying. Well. Holing. I think we should do some advertising for ourselves real quick. Okay. Because we haven't in a while. Yeah, yeah. it's been weeks. <laughs> Since no one wants to advertise on our podcast, we might as well advertise ourselves. <laughs> we got this dead space. Might as well fill it. Okay. So uh, you guys follow us on Instagram, Honey Hole Angling, Facebook, Honey Hole Angling. If y'all want to send us an email, like our friend Wood Tip Pickle Chip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, good job. You, you, can, <laughs> you can email us at honeyholeangling at gmail.com. Uh, our website is honeyholeangling.com. And we got cool stickers on there, fish yep. mask stickers. Cool which hats. Fu- funny thing about the fish mask stickers is when me and Zach were planning them, Zach drew all of them, all the original artwork. But we were planning them out. We're like, oh, we need to hurry up and get these up quick because when COVID started, we were like, this is gonna. This, this is gonna, gonna last long. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. need to. We need to, ca- yeah. we we need to capitalize on our market. <laughs> it's like boy, were we wrong. <laughs> it's gonna be here for three weeks. Oh, yeah. um, uh, speaking of the stickers, I haven't gotten my fish the flats one. Well, you, you gave one to me at your dad's house, and I said hold on to it because I want to put it on. The we're table. all out. We sold out. Did we? No. I was like, that's cool. <laughs> no, we need to put one on the table. We will. I'll, yeah. I'll bring some next time. Yeah, no problem. But yeah, we have hats and cool stuff. We're thinking about getting buffs and maybe like a fly patch or something like that. Yeah. So uh, if you guys want to go on there and support us, we appreciate that very much. What are we drinking tonight, Zach? So tonight we are drinking 
the Bell Mead Sour Mash Whiskey. It's a straight bourbon. And I picked this up because um, I was born in Nashville. And every time I visit my dad out there, uh, I drive past this distillery like every single time. He lives like maybe like mm-hmm. 15 minutes from here. Um, have you had it before? I have not. And that's another mm-hmm. reason why I picked it up. Cool. What's the, what's the damage on a bottle? Uh, it was $47. Okay. And they have a, another bottle that was like 60 and it was a little bit higher proof, but it wasn't a full barrel proof. It was like 108 proof or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah. So it has a high rye in its bill. It's a bourbon, but uh, it mentions several times that like the rye in the mash bill is pretty, there's a, quite a bit of rye. Mm-hmm. Cool. So Gabe uh, messaged us today and said he had some more tastings oh, for us. Awesome. So I'll pick them up, try to pick them up this week. We can take those bottles. Yeah. Back to Ooh, it. we still have some left, don't we? Mm-hmm. We have a little bit of the uh, the one from last makers. week. Makers, yeah. no, the one from two weeks ago. No, the one from last week. No, two weeks, two weeks ago. ago. I'm yeah. gonna. I, was like, I might have some of that after yeah. we do the tasting. Okay, right, let's go. What do you guys think? All right. No, that's not. No. That's lovely for an audio medium. It smells nice. I was just trying to get like a good nose. Not doing it. on the rocks this week. And that's your go- usual go-to, right? Yeah. I'm just feeling lazy and not grabbing it. I mean, you're feeling lazy and not telling me to go grab you mm-hmm. it. That's not bad. No. That's pretty good. I think I have my number for it, though. Yeah, same here. Uh, it's pretty sweet. It is. I, like I said, I love a sweet bourbon. Even with that high rye, uh, which usually, and that's where that like that smokiness is coming from, mm-hmm. is from the, the rye. But it also has like a very like caramel yeah. flavor. Takes um, a minute for that like alcohol burn to yeah. set in. A little bit of cinnamon. Pretty good. Yeah. I just taste the rye. I don't taste the cinnamon. Oh, yeah? Mm-mm. I just taste rye in it. That's good. Yeah. I like it. It's like a good raw bread. What was that? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> He's just thinking for another word with rye in it. Uh, Catcher in the rye. So, honey pots. Um, I think I'm going to give it three. Three? Three. Three. I'm right there with you. Yeah. We're going to just go with an even three. Yeah. Like, I would, i definitely buy it, and uh, especially because it's so close to, like, where I was born and uh, the distillery and everything. So I would probably keep that. It's like, not one that like knocks your socks off. No, but it's but an it's, easy drinker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a good good choice, good pickup, Zach. Yeah, picked you. it up on the way over here. Yeah. So cool. I was uh, there. I did want to get the Buffalo Trace, but the place I went, uh, the guy literally right in front of me grabbed it before I can get because I've never had it before. Really? Be like, I need it for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how important you do anything. <laughs> you want to come podcast with us? <laughs> Our guest punked out. <laughs> yeah, we're we're minus in today, guys. If you didn't notice. Oh yeah. And we're minus our guests yep. that we had scheduled. Life happens. We're rolling on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This podcast is going to happen whether people want to be here or not. That's right. You gotta be flexible. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, we got a new listener from Australia. Woo! Another listener from across the pond. Just the wider pond. A lot farther so, away. <laughs> the southern pond. Let me get to our. Oh, let me do the uh, wood tip email, which I have not read yet. Okay. 
because I think they're awesome, and I did not want to pre-read them because you wanted to enjoy it with us. Because I wanted to enjoy it with you. Hopefully, it's appropriate. Okay. Well, so. I uh, I got my pen in case we need to be marking any time down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Subject line is honeypot. Probably about our whiskey reviews. <clears throat> Y'all has ever seen? No wonder you couldn't read it because his grammar <laughs> in here is not good. <laughs> Y'all has ever seen a South Texas nightlight? The hazy orange glow sure adds a nice ambience ambience, ambience to those pump jacks. I swear, boys, <laughs> the late night beauty of a pump jack. Mm, mercy. Mm, mercy. <laughs> that kid that hunts on my place smokes a lot of that wacky tobacco. Hard worker, but takes a lot of naps. Pretty sure he has a jaunt named Booty Hole Honey Pot or something like that. Y'all might think about a new name for your podcast games. Just saying, okay, because that sort of thing could get confusing. I'm not judging, just saying it might attract a different crowd. Probably the sort of fella that smokes fruity plastic tip cigars. What happens in South Texas stays in South Texas. This ain't Austin, all right? (laughs) (laughs) That fella that drank the whiskey neat is the only real man on the podcast. Your other... Concrete poison jokers need to up your game. Three knuckles deep and pour me another round. Can y'all explain your honeypot classification? I judge whiskey by how many rounds I can drink before I go to bed. Some of those will sneak up and bite you quicker than a horny rattlesnake. (laughs) It could get bad if you're not watching. (laughs) Keep the oil whiskey flowing. There you go. Wood tip. Wood tip. Well, wood tip. Tonight we're all drinking it straight. That's right. That's right. I'd prefer on the rocks, not going to lie. It just smooths things out, but it, I can drink it. But you know, you can do the same thing just by putting a drop or two of water in it. You get the same effect. No, no, it's not about the water. It's about the cold. The oh, yeah, because the cold dilutes the flavors as well. But even even if we had whiskey rocks, like frozen whiskey rocks, because I do that too. That's true. So, yeah. yeah, so the cold, like what happens is like the cold, the chill, like dilutes from the flavor, and then also the water dilutes it as well. That's why people over in Europe drink their beer warm so they can taste it better. Or room temperature, not warm. I just like cold drinks. Yeah. But <laughs> there's a dude on this place that smokes wacky, wacky tobacco. Tobacco. I like that. Well, thanks, Wood Tip. Thank you. I enjoy those every week. <laughs> it's been great. Hey, Wood Tip, what kind of whiskey are you drinking? And if you want to submit, if you want to send us some of your whiskey <laughs> or moonshine or whatever it is you're drinking. <laughs> That's pretty great, though. All right. Let me get to the questions. Let's see. So, okay, so we all agreed three honey pots for this. Um, I still think the one we had last week was the best. Yes, the yeah. makers. I like this more than the one we had two weeks ago, though. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I'm just honestly, there was a time in my life where, like, all I would drink was, like, whiskeys and bourbons and scotches and stuff like that. But for a a few years now, like, I've just kind of stepped away from it for personal reasons. Coors Light? You're a Coors Light man. I've gone to light beer. Just Mm. easy. Yeah. I mean, I still enjoy whiskeys and stuff. Like, I don't mind doing it here. Because I can control it mm-hmm. a lot more, but uh, it's a very responsible thing to do, Cliff. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I'm not allowed to bring um, 
Well, that's a different story. Oh, that's a great story. You can't tell that story on the podcast. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> you talking about your birthday? Yes. That's a, We're going to stop it there. That's not a wide <laughs> story. All right. Gabe asks, well, and also Gabe commented, but I think he deleted the comment, but I'm going to read it. He's like, I like to ask open-ended questions to listen to you guys argue. Okay, yeah. And yeah. I was like, I was going to reply, but then the comment wasn't there anymore. So I guess he deleted it or somebody deleted it. Well, we like that too. Yeah, we like it too. The more arguing, the better. (laughs) Where's the line for you when a fly becomes a lure? I don't. There's not. Yeah, I don't have a line. You don't have a line at all? No. If I had a 12 weight and I could throw a jig, yeah. I'd honestly put power bait on a hook (laughs) at the end of... Oh, okay. You know what? Cliff drew my line. Okay. Power bait. Yeah. There you go. It's like. You put some power bait eggs on for the yeah, for the guad. I used the ones that smell like garlic the other week. You just yeah. put the eggs on the hook and throw things, it in. Things yeah. with scent and uh, like real, like food, you know, quote unquote. Um, that's where I draw the line. That's where you're going to draw the line? Yeah. Because I know there's people that'll throw like, they'll get big heavy rods and they'll throw like Texas rigs. On like a fly rod, yeah. Like a, I realistically, like a, I wouldn't do a that, rubber but, worm and yeah. all that. But also but, because I'm a much better fly angler than I am a conventional angler. Like I, I would suck agree with that statement. At conventional. Yeah, I would just say it doesn't. I think it, I do think like there is a line. I just don't know exactly where it's at, and I'm not going to tell someone like they're fishing wrong. Well, there's a big argument like, what's actually a fly? I don't know. I I, I don't think I that. Think, th- I don't think putting a garlic egg on a hook and on a fly rod makes it a fly by mm-hmm. any means. I do not. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny, but if that's how someone fishes, so you I don't have a so problem then to with you it. you're throwing a lure when you do that you're throwing a lure on a fly rod. I'd say I'm actually throwing bait on a fly you're rod. You're throwing bait point. on. Yeah. Okay. I would say. The definition of a fly is anything that is attached to the hook by thread. I would. That is my standard and of that a fly. Is, that is the line because the people who you just said are throwing heavy fly rods with a Texas rig on it, that's a lure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's soft-bodied plastics. Is a, yeah, it's a lure. That's a lure because no. that's not connected by thread to the hook. Mm-hmm. That's through the hook. So but what if you about tied like, like a soft plastic worm to a hook with thread, then, I mean, actually then that's a squirmy worm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, what about like, you know, jigs? Um, like like skirt, like and No, stuff? no, like skirted jigs, you know? Like they're tied on with thread sometimes. Sometimes they have a rubber gasket, but mm-hmm. a lot of times they're, they have thread. I don't I know. Think, I think that's a gray area. Yeah. I but again, I don't think that there's a wrong way to fish. If that's how you want to fish and that's what gets you out there, then that's what you need to do. Yeah. I like that statement a lot. If that's what gets you out there. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever helps you catch more fish and be happier or bigger fish. That's right. But I would say my definition of a fly would be thread. I would agree with that. Yeah. Thread, thread something tied to a hook with thread would be my definition. Um, Next question is uh, hot take. This should get you fired up, Cliff. Hot. I'm hoping it gets you fired up. Hot take. I'm looking for some argument. I'm looking for argumentative, Cliff. Not it depends, Cliff. 
Well, I will say today is a good day for that. <laughs> All right. Hot take. Demasking sprays or ozone products are a waste of money for Texas deer. Ooh. Well, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> no, come on, Zach. So I would most problem most chances. I want argumentative cliff, not it depends cliff. I do disagree. Okay. You could use stronger words than I disagree. Now, but uh, write that down. I did say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Weird. Um, I disagree, but I do think it depends on the person. I am overly conscious when it comes to scent and scent like control mm-hmm. because. I recognize where my downfalls are and I'm going to use anything that I feel gives me a 1% edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cause I would say it falls under the 1% rule and ozone. I do think that ozone's it, the, like the bags and the, the crates that you can throw stuff. your stuff in. I do think that they are a slight waste of money. Yeah. Because how much does the ozone thing cost? About a hundred bucks. And they're depending. they're kind of have, dangerous too, aren't they? Like you're not really supposed say, to breathe in this stuff. They say you don't want to be in an enclosed position, like space with it. Yeah. But I honestly, I run one in my closet. Why? I why? Run one. Why can't you be in an enclosed space with it? What is it actually? There's doing? a chemical in it that's harmful for you to breathe in. Mm. I didn't know that. I mean, when I first got it. It would make me a little lightheaded, but now... <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to breathe it. But now, I honestly, I sit in my truck all day long with one on, or I have one. <laughs> I have a portable machine that I'll take with me hunting, and I'll set my clothes next to it at night. I have one, a big one machine in my closet that runs for five minutes every hour on the hour. Well, yeah, it doesn't work anymore because your tolerance is up. You got to put a couple of them in your closet now for you to get the same high. Yeah, I'm not trying to get high from it. <laughs> so I do think I use them because I think that there there might be a one percent advantage, and I know where I come short on some of my skill and stuff like that. And I'm trying to beef up those those areas, but in the interim, I want to use something that at least covers masks, changes my scent, eliminates my scent as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So I do use them. I know people who do not use them and are definitively, definitively in the camp that they do not work and are not are a complete waste of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But those same people will use field sprays, like dead down wind field sprays on their clothes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do use, like I said, I use ozone machines and? on everything. I use a scent elimination laundry detergent on all my clothes and or all my hunting clothes and then my everyday clothes I actually make sure to use um no UV brightener uh no scent no dye laundry detergent on my everyday clothes as well I shower my everyday body wash is Scent killer. No matter what? No matter what. Like, even right now. But that, yeah. Why on a Wednesday are you using scent killer? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, because I like it. 
the one that I use has like aloe in it. Okay. And it uses it makes your skin soft. It makes my skin soft. It's a two in one, so I can do like hair and body all at one time. Just one, one, just and one done. pour. And I like the way it feels. I've always been like a little like scent controlly, even before like I truly like started hunting and stuff. Like even in like high school, before I started like thinking about this, like when or when I would actually wear cologne. Yeah. I would look for if I'm going to wear cologne, I want a soap that has either the same scent or no, or scent. no scent. Yeah, because I've spent money on cologne, you I want that to come out. You didn't uh, Axe body spray it up like a whole can of Axe. Middle school, yeah, yeah, yeah middle school, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to take a shower; you just spray your body down yeah. Axe. Yeah, but uh, it works to get a soap. I've <laughs> always, I've always been like very conscious of scent, and then like when I got started hunting and stuff more than it like really like something I actually mm-hmm. hone in and focus on and am I would say border for lack of a better term borderline OCD about it mm-hmm. so I use everything I can okay let me ask you this what are you going to do you're on a seven day hunt for whatever in whatever state or country that's not Texas deer you're on day six of a seven day hunt and you're on hot pursuit of an animal and you didn't want to bring any of that stuff because ozone machine's heavy, and they're not that heavy. But and so you would bring the ozone machine. Scent, no. scent killer. Maybe you ran out of it because you've been dousing yourself in it every I night. I do have a tendency to douse okay. when I use it. So well, you, you didn't you didn't pack enough, or you didn't bring it because on a trip like that, ounces equal pounds, and pounds equals pain. Um, would you do like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator just cover yourself in mud? Yeah, like, what are you going to do? Well, by that time, I do think, like, your human scent is always going to be there, like your natural body scent. But you also start to pick up a lot more, like, earthy scents that will act, I I think, I believe, that would act as kind of a cover scent to the normal human yeah, scent that you're used to. Yeah, but you're hiking and sweaty. Yeah. And you ran out of dude wipes. <laughs> And, like, you haven't been able to wipe there, real well. Yeah, so I would smell like pine cones and butt. Yeah. I would still hunt. I'm oh, not no, gonna, no. I'm not going to stop. I agree that you would still want to hunt. But at that point, you know, you're in hot pursuit. And I just scent killer isn't going to make a difference. So now, is this question up and keep on. Is this question geared towards bow hunters? Because if you're hunting from a blind, you can do whatever in there. Yeah. That's true. Like, realistically, like, I would say bow hunter. I would also say, like, after like having like growing up hunting my place and like after our trip a couple of weeks ago, there is like a predominantly strong minimum 20 mile per hour wind from the south. And more importantly than sick killer is playing the wind, playing yeah. the wind. Like I don't even think sick killer would make a difference because the wind's so strong. You're, you're going to, your scent's going to get blown over and you just have to, you know, set yourself up for success. Playing so, the like wind. I was, yeah. like I was saying, I think scent killer products, and I'm saying scent killer products, not necessarily the brand scent killer, but I think scent killer products, ozone machines, cover scents, and all that type stuff, it all falls under that 1% rule. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make or break your hunt, but I feel that it gives me a least, at least a 1% advantage, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take that. Right. And it's, like you said, it's minimal effort, too, for that right. 1%. And it's probably more than 1%, realistically. Yeah. But 
Um, I mean, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't go in smelling like coconut and whatever else is in green body tea. sprays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I use a fancy conditioner that smells like green tea. It's mm-hmm. pretty nice. Well, I probably wouldn't hunt deer with it, though. No. No. Next question. Knife suggestions for skinning deer. I'm going to start us <coughs> off. <clears throat> I don't have one, but I think those Havilon knives are a pretty dang good idea. After I showed you that one? Yeah, for skinning Which knives. Which one? Havilon, the replaceable blades. It. Oh, see, I don't like the replaceable blades because I don't like anything that I have to throw away. Especially when, like, you get a me few and you, you get a few good uses out of them. Yeah, but and like, it is metal, so you can recycle it. True, but that's me, your. It is, but like, realistically, you're gonna you do that. Like, plus, me and you have that uh, Benchmade Skinner. Yeah, the I, altitude. Is the altitude the longer yeah. one with the. Uh, the, the gimping on the top or whatever it's called. Uh, is it the thin one? Or are you talking about the mountain? The mountain skinner. skinner. The mountain skinner. Yeah. I love that knife, and it does such a good job. Mm-hmm. So at least I do. I've never had an issue with that knife. I've skinned several deer with it. So it it is a really good knife. Uh, I like the altitude mm-hmm. more than that. one. Which was the altitude? It's a skinny one. Remind me, I'll show okay. it to you. Or when I when I stop talking, I'll pull it out because it's cool. in here. Um, I like it because it's it's super lightweight. The blade shape is a little bit thinner, shorter, okay, and fatter in the belly of it. Okay, but it's it's really good. You get great control of the knife, so mm-hmm. you can do a lot of like those very like intricate cuts and yeah. stuff like that. Um, I will say about about the Skinner that we have that the blade is probably just like a tiny bit it's a too thick, long. It's a thick and long blade. Yeah, I wish it was a little bit smaller, but that being mm-hmm. said, I still really love that knife. I can still make really nice, precise cuts with that mm-hmm. knife. I, I don't like, have... I like using that one for like around camp stuff or prepping food. Like that's my kitchen. Gotcha. Um, it's a good kitchen. Like the size of it's great. Yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, I have that one custom knife that I showed you guys that I really like for like cleaning animals, but I don't for like skinning. It'd probably be a good knife, um, but I don't know. I just like the idea of the like your knife gets so dull so fast skinning um, that the replaceable blades and sounds I I agree. Like a, um, and they're not that expensive. The blades aren't that. Expensive. No, they're not. No, those those blades you can pick up a pack of. I think it's six to twelve for like six bucks. Yeah. They're super cheap. The Havilon knives, I I haven't got bought one yet. I've thought about it, and every time I do, then I just look back and like I have this really nice bench made that is supposed to be for the same thing. But then that's true. But then I so I put it up, and then as soon as I get out to the truck, I'm like, oh yeah, but hogs. That's where the Havilon knife or Outdoor Edge makes one. If you want a cheaper option, yeah. Outdoor Edge is a cheaper. Well, the Havilons aren't that expensive because even if you're looking like no, how much are those Benchmades? Because the Havilons like fifty bucks. Benchmade is one thirty. The altitude is I paid one thirty for it. The altitude is a two hundred dollar knife. Okay, I will say that. Um, but even at fifty bucks for the Havilon, you can get an Outdoor Edge, which is pretty much the same knife yeah um from 
Academy sells them, Walmart sells them for half the price. So you can pick one up for 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. For me, though, I guess, like, also, I don't like adding things that I might forget. Like, I might remember the the hilt or the handle, but I might be like, oh, crap, I ran out of blades, blades. last time and I forgot mm-hmm. to pick some up this time, you know? Yeah. And I can see that. So, to me, the reason why I do want a a replaceable blade knife is for hogs specifically. And I could get that for hogs, especially because hogs, you don't necessarily want to. That hide yeah. is so tough, and it dulls, skinning dulls your blade in fast in general. Yeah. Skinning hogs really? dulls it even faster. So I do want like a Havilon or an Outdoor Edge specifically for hogs so that I can make those cuts. And then once I get inside and you're just cutting meat and tendons, like cutting it away, yeah. then switch to the Benchmade. But get through that hide, I definitely want a replaceable blade knife for that. That's true. Cause, okay, but like you said, then at that point, though, you're bringing two knives when one good Benchmade could arguably do it all. Yeah. Because like I don't know how like cutting out big chunks of meat would work with a replaceable blade. I'm sure you can do it. I know you mm-hmm. can do it. But... Like that's one good thing about that mountain skinner is that like I can I can take off hams mm-hmm. no problem you know and I'm and I can skin no problem and I personally so the way I think about it my argument to you mm-hmm. on that is I'm already have other tools I'm not necessarily once I get to that point I'm not necessarily carrying two knives as much as I have a extra knife in my cleaning quote right. unquote cleaning kit. Because I'm not hauling out a bone saw right. to the tree stand with me. I'm going to do all that back at the truck. So I would leave one there and then just have, like, a general knife to, like, do other stuff with. For sure. Yeah, I mean, there's hardly ever a triple I just I th- have one I knife. I think one thing to consider, too, um, and I'm trying to do this more, is, like, I would prefer to buy things maybe that are a little bit more expensive, nicer quality, that are going to last me forever. Yeah. And um, maybe Benchmade will suit that better than, like, a replaceable blade knife as far as, like, longevity and replacement value. I'd rather spend the money now than have to spend the money later. And, I, you know, I don't have one of those knives, so I don't know the longevity of it. But just, like, less stuff, less purchasing over time is kind of – and if I buy something, you know, I used to buy really nice things and not use them. And I've changed my mentality. If I'm going to spend really nice things, if I'm going to buy really nice things, I'm going to use and abuse it. Yeah, for uh, sure. I agree. I just... This is really nice. I like this a lot. This is the altitude? Yes. You see? Oh, yeah. Um, but it's also, too, Benchmade, though, like, you use it for your season and then... Send it in to be touched up. Yeah, and they take it apart. They polish it up. They clean it up. Um, and it's free. Like, it's a great service. So, like... Benchmade, if you get a knife, if you're looking into getting a knife that you, like Landon was saying, great quality, you know it's going to be taken care of, I don't see an argument against Benchmade. Like they make, they're pricey. That could be the only argument. They're pricey, and I think I mentioned this in another podcast, but, a, but I'll reiterate my point. Benchmade is pricey because they price protect their products. Yeah. And that helps the small stores like Good Sports, the Mountain Hideaways of the world, the smaller stores that can't compete with online sellers that – a two hundred dollar Benchmade probably costs um, a, a a shop, let's just say a hundred dollars, right. just to make it even easy. 
you know, a small store is going to have to sell that knife for $200, which would be considered normal retail. No matter to, what. To, no matter what, to make, make it profitable. Um, whereas an online store could sell that knife for $120 because... The man hours are less. Because than, they're right. selling a lot higher quantity and they have less labor that they have to pay for. And so uh, Benchmade is like, everyone has to sell this knife for the same price. They set the cost. So you can go to your good sports or your small stores, the guys that really take time with you, you can buy it from them, and it's not going to be um, more expensive than if you were thinking about doing it online. They also, if you do buy online, you can give your local store the credit for it, and they will send them the money that they lost out on. I, I, I the- at Benchmade. Uh-huh. That is awesome. Yeah, because when I bought that, uh, the meat crafter, yeah. the meat crafter, yeah, um, it wasn't necessarily out in stores yet, mm-hmm. so I bought it online and then said, put Good Sport as my local store, so they got the credit for selling it. That's mm-hmm. cool. That's a really good, I mean... Even um, them doing that makes me like Benchmade more. Yeah, I will say, though, back to your point of, oh, I don't want to carry two knives into the field. Another thing you can think about is if you're carrying this one knife into the field, you also got to carry a sharpener. Like, if you're honestly going to clean an animal, you're going to at least sharpen this, especially on a hog, okay, one so to two times. That's the, on a, it depends on the hunt. Because, like, on a deer, I would sharpen it before I left. If I was just going to get one deer, I would not bother with a sharpener. Realistically, I wouldn't. My bench may, like, I don't know. Maybe I don't. I haven't cleaned that many deer with it. I've cleaned probably six or seven with it, you know? Holds a good edge. Holds a great, yeah. I mean, it's an S30V, um, and I haven't had an issue with it. It still slices and dices like great. Oh, if you guys want to get a knife expert on as a guest, I have. I know a guy. That'd be cool. We could just talk talk knives. But, um... I do know this specific knife. Mm-hmm. I know a guy who who cleaned, I think it was three elk with it before having to sharpen it. Now, when I cleaned my hog with it, because that one, that specific one, the one Zach is holding in his hands, he has said, not touched a deer yet. He said he cleaned three deer with this without sharpening it? Elk. Three elk. Cool. Yeah, so this is the same. This is the same uh, steel that's on the S30V. yeah the S yeah right. S ninety V. And the, again, that's a uh, he claimed. I don't know. I wasn't there. That one, that specific one, has not sh- touched a deer yet, and it sure as heck hasn't touched an elk. Mm-hmm. I've never shot an elk, um, so I can't say what it, it would be like on that type of animal with a a thinner hide or a more forgiving hide and uh softer hair mm-hmm. but you versus have done a hog. A hog. i have done hogs with that and it i had to sharpen it twice mm. on it cool well i think we dove into the knife rabbit hole you guys ready to move on that's all yep. of our questions you all ready to move on to our stories let's do it i'd like to go first because i've been chomping at the bit to tell you guys a story <laughs> let's do it all right so first up we have on patrol we need to get we need to get some sound bites i need to work on that but i need the machine i need to take it with me because i can't put them on the memory card i have to literally put them on the machine the machine so um all right this was reported in 2018 which i'm a little sad about 
because I came across this article like it was a new article. You're all excited. And I got excited, but when I actually looked into it today, I saw uh, this was reported December 18th, 2018 by the New York Times, and uh, this one was written by Christine Hauser. Christine Hauser. All, all right. right. So this happened in Missouri. Um, in 2018, um, and it is the largest case of deer poaching in the state. And this is in Missouri. This is in Missouri. All right. Um, on December 6th, and this is 2018, this was reported on December 18th. So on December 6th, a judge in circuit court ordered that a Missouri man, David H. Berry Jr., who is 29, must watch Bambi once a month while serving a one-year sentence for his role in poaching in a poaching operation believed to have killed hundreds of deer. He has to watch Bambi. While in jail. Once a week. Once a month okay. for his whole year-long sentence. Oh, my gosh. Have you ever heard of that before? No. Like a judge ordering someone to watch a movie in jail? No. Once a month oh my for their gosh. whole sentence. That is great. Okay. The judge is hoping there will be some kind of emotional reaction. Um, they said it is an unusual sentence for an unusual case. In November of 2018, Mr. Barry was given a one-year jail sentence after pleading guilty to a misdemeanor of taking wildlife illegally. But the sentence was suspended, and he was put on probation for two years. So this was in November. Okay. Um, he was given a one-year sentence. It was suspended, and he was put on uh, probation. Does he stop to watch Bambi? Uh, so let me get to this. Okay. When Mr. Barry showed up in December for a hearing into a violation of his probation for hunting, so part of his probation, two-year probation, was he couldn't hunt. When he went back in December, they found out that he had hunted, and so um, Judge George reinstated the one-year sentence and then mentioned Bambi. The judge ordered the sheriff to first screen the movie for Mr. Barry on or before December 23rd, a date um, that was said to be chosen by the judge because he wanted it to take place before Christmas. So, dude killed a bunch of deer. Uh, judge yeah, gave him... Me up. <laughs> yeah, you aren't here. Okay. Quick recap. Dude killed a bunch of deer. He got a one-year jail sentence. Okay, that got turned into a two-year probation. probation. Part of the probation was that he could not hunt for two years. This dude also killed hundreds of deer illegally. So let me, like, this wasn't just like, oh, I killed two like deer. One off. This was like hundreds of deer are estimated to be killed. He broke his probation within one month of it being sentenced. When he went back, the judge reinstated the one-year prison time and ordered that he has to watch Bambi once a month for his year-long sentence. Punishment fits the crime. <laughs> Punishment fits the crime. He said, I hope when you get to the part where Bambi's mother dies, it makes you think. <laughs> so I don't like the idea of using Bambi as like a like lesson moment like that because I think that's part of like the issue of like uh, humanizing animals and stuff and I, I do believe in like animal rights but I do believe that humans are more I don't know I'm, I'm digging a hole a little <laughs> bit uh, no I, I don't I, like I, I don't like that idea of giving like human characteristics and human traits to animals so that 
anti-hunting groups and stuff can say, like PETA or someone like that saying, these animals were not here placed on this earth for you to eat them and da 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 Yes, they were. I got tons of Bible verses that say so. But you can, uh, I don't like that idea, but I do like the idea of like, you have to watch this one <laughs> Disney movie for the rest of like, so, yeah, I know. I think it's just a weird case. He killed so many deer, and I think the judge was like, "You." He was nice, gave the dude probation. Like this dude illegally killed hundreds of deer, it. and yeah. he broke it. And at that point, it's like, broke your probation. The judge is mad. Dude was in the wrong the whole time. Yeah. So let me finish reading the article, then you guys can give your. But I will say, at least Bambi is like one of the better ones, in my opinion. <laughs> the only other one that I'd be like, can I swap it out for is uh. The Fox and the Hound. Oh, that's a good movie. That was a tearjerker. Yeah, that's, that's when I elicit a sad response. Yeah. So, uh, Sheriff Brad DeLay said that they were still trying to figure out how and where they would screen Bambi in prison, which has only, the prison only has one day room for 52 inmates. The problem is we only have the one room. We have to run everyone out except for one person. Mr. Barry's guilty plea came after a two-year investigation that began with an anonymous tip. Um, conservation investigators estimated that the group was responsible for killing hundreds of deer over a three-year period. The deer were trophy bucks taken illegally, mostly at night for their heads, leaving the bodies of the deer to waste. That I have an issue with. Yeah. Um, he, he had family members involved. I'm not going to get into that, but he had family members involved. They all pled guilty. They got probation. They did not break their probation. So... Um, Seems like this guy was kind of running the whole operation and was like inviting random people along, kind of deal. Um, Be like, hey, you don't need a license to hunt. Come I don't me. even think it's a licensing thing. They probably had licenses. I think it's. I don't know, but there are cultures like in the United States, like subcultures, like groups of people who do like. I've been here forever. I don't need a license to hunt this land. Da mm-hmm. da da. Yeah. Judge George said in an email on Tuesday that he was not permitted to discuss Mr. Barry's case, but he noted in the emails that he had watched Bambi with his grandson about six years ago and that he planned to watch it with his seven-year-old granddaughter over the Christmas holidays. I've always enjoyed rewatching the movies I grew up with, the judge said. We have a collection of Disney movies to watch with our grandchildren and our children. I find the movies always place the viewer in a unique opportunity to learn life lessons about their relationships with others, and the effects of their decisions. Boom. Brand nice story. <clears throat> Crazy. I liked it, though. You guys have any other, any other thoughts? I feel like they should have made Michael Vick watch Fox and the Hound. Yeah. Would have changed <laughs> his whole life. Would have changed Well, what, I mean... I respect Michael Vick a lot because he took his punishment and he has been a stand-up citizen. Yeah, I'm not saying ever since. I'm not saying that, but um, I, he, he served his time. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with him, but I think that's an instance where Fox and the Hound could have done the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's such a great movie. It is. You I know, our cats that. are named after the Fox yeah. and the Hound. That's the only reason I respect your cats. <laughs> Otherwise, they're trying to kill you. Yeah, yeah, they do. I'm a hound dog. <laughs> oh, it's such a great movie. I'm gonna have to look it up. We still need to get watched. You still, Zach, you still haven't watched *Our River Runs Through*, it, have you? Nope. Man. Yeah, I will at some point. I'm gonna invite you over. Watch, watch it. it. 
Yeah. You got to put away the cats, otherwise they kill me too. I'll put away the cats. I'll vacuum before you come over. <laughs> All right, who's up next? I'll go Cliffy Board. <clears throat> oh, wait. Cliff's Cool Conservation Corner. C4. We really did that again. <laughs> you don't like our, our you don't like our sound our bites. sound bites, Cliff. They're legal. That's the thing. They're legal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, let me get. We're not trying here. to get sentenced to prison to watch Disney movies. No. Who knows what they make us <laughs> watch? Is there one about plagiarism and copyright? <laughs> <laughs> the worst Disney movie ever. <laughs> All right, so last week I mentioned we were going, I was had an article on CWD, mm-hmm. but then we opted to tell spooky stories or creepy stories. So yeah. this week it's on CWD. Spooky And it's here. more, I'm going to go more into what it is than an actual story about it. So kind of giving people a grand overview arcing of what it is. So, CWD, or chronic wasting disease, is a neurological disease affecting deer species, including reindeer, elk, and moose. Oh, really? Yes. Reindeer, elk, and moose. And if you're not aware, reindeer in North America are caribou. Caribou. Um, It causes characteristic spongy deterioration of the brain of of infected animals, uh, resulting in emancipation, abnormal behavior, loss of bodily functions, and death similar to mad cow disease. Yeah. Which that's the part of it that's like super scary to me. So CWD is caused by the most widely accepted theory of CWD is an agent uh, of the CWD agent is a misfolded prion, an abnormal form of cell of a cellular protein that is mostly found in the central nervous system and liptoid tissue. Can you give that to us in English? I think it's a prion. So it's, it's like a, it's like an amoeba, like a little tiny microorganism that gets into the brain stem, right? And then it, it gets into the brain naturally already in deer, and then no. gets. Not so where does it occur naturally? It just like are they eating it? Are they? It's like um, is it in water? So I have a section on how it's transmitted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like it just kind of came over, like um, kind of like Corona. Yeah, like I mean, like <laughs> you know, like they can be in anything. They can be in uh, rodent poop. They can be in water. Um, a lot of things like that are transmitted originally from. Uh, from like rodent poop. Okay. So, uh, an abnormal form of a cellular protein that is mostly found in the central nervous system and lymphoid tissue. The abnormal prion infects the host animal by promoting conversion of normal cellular prion proteins to an abnormal form. As a protein, the CWD agent does not contain any genetic material, DNA, or RNA, as occurs with bacterial viral, which, uh, as occurs with bacterial, viral, fungal, and parasitic disease agents. Okay, time out. So maybe I was wrong. Maybe it's not. Maybe a prion is different than a like an amoeba I microorganism. Think it's, 
I think it's actually a part of the cell. It's like a mutated cell, kind of like gotcha. a cancer okay. cell. Okay. So it, once it gets infected, it mutates other cells. Kind of, sort of, I guess. Is what I yeah. think I heard. But like it kind of eats the brain, essentially. Yeah, and like I said, because uh, I don't think we're, I don't think I go into it, but like the part of it that's scary to me, or let, let's hold that conversation till I'm done. Yeah. Um. So where is CWD detected in the wild and in captive herds? As of July 2020, CWD has been detected in 26 states and in wild cervids in 24 states and in two Canadian provinces in which captive cervids herds in 17 states and four Canadian provinces. Wild reindeer, red deer, and or moose with CWD have been found in Finland, Norway, Sweden, and Sweden, while CWD has not been detected in captive herds. While CWD has been detected in captive cervids in South Korea. Yeah. So it's all over the world pretty yeah. much. So, so that's, I did not know that. I thought it was a strictly like North American I thing. I thought it was too. Um, I thought it was strictly North American issue. I wouldn't figured that it would have gone over to Europe and let alone South Asia. Yeah. Southeast Asia. Um, transmission. The mechanisms of CWD transmission are not completely understood. Most transmission appears to be via oral, the oral route, although aerosol transmissions have been uh, demonstrated under experimental conditions. Transmission is thought primarily to be lateral or from one animal to another, although vertical transmission from mother to fetus may occur. It appears to be re- re- relatively insignificant. Um. CWD in Texas. The first case of CWD in Texas was discovered in 2012 in a free-ranging mule deer in the Huco Mountains in far west Texas. Am I saying that right? Do y'all know? Which one? Waco. H-U-E-C-O. Waco. Oh. Uh, Waco. Waco? Waco. Like a Waco oh, tanks? That's a place where people go climbing. I think that's the same. So the first cases were found there. In the, Waco, in the Hueco Mountains of far west Texas. The disease has since uh, been detected in free-ranging mule deer, white-tailed deer, and elk in Dillon and Hartley counties located in the north northwest panhandle. Um, as of 2020, uh, so the beginning of 2020, January, 185 entries into the CWD tracking across five counties with mandatory checkpoints in 25 cases alone in 2020. New cases alone in How many cases in 2020? 25 new cases. Just in those five counties? Uh, checkpoints, 25. Yes, in those five counties. Do you have the five counties? Not on here, but um, I know Medina, Uvalde. There's a couple in the North Panhandle. Because at... As since I pulled this article, I actually got back on it and was reading a little bit more. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. You're okay. Um, let me pull up. So, I mean, it is really interesting. It has not crossed the species barrier to humans yet. No, and that's the that's the, what I was going to get debate. into. 
that's scary to me. So around the San Antonio area, uh, Medina, Uvalde. Um, There's one out in West Texas too, right? Kimball County. Uh, Laveca, L-A-V-A-C-A County. Lavaca. Lavaca. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. Hudspeth, H-U-D-S-P-E-T-H. And these are counties where if you shoot a deer in this county, you have to have these a check. Are, no, there's only five counties with that, to my knowledge. Okay. These are counties with that have been determined to have CWD in them. Okay. Like I said, when I pulled this article, there was five. Yeah. And I knew of five. Since then, it's changed. It's gone to eight. Oh, okay. So now there's eight counties where you have to have them checked. No. Five counties have, have to have, have it checked. checked. Eight. eight counties have CWD. Mm. Huh. El Paso County. Okay. So that's one, two, three, four, Five, six. Number seven is Hartley. So up in the Panhandle. Mm-hmm. And Dillon County. Okay. Eight. Okay, so let's break it down. The whole spiel in English. Essentially, uh, it is like a prion that gets into the brain, eats their brain, makes them kind of go crazy a little bit. They forget to eat as it eats away more of their brain. So they just lose brain. They start losing brain function, which causes them to forget to eat. If you see deer that are uh, like walking in circles a lot, extremely emaciated, uh, or like really, really skinny, and um, and just like looking weird, those are the ones you don't want to shoot, right? Um, well, you want to shoot them. You don't want to necessarily you don't eat, eat them. them. Yeah, uh, they they can spread it by breathing. Like even like as they go down to eat. Uh, well, they really don't need a whole lot of grass, but like when they're out walking around and stuff, they can breathe this prion out into the ground, and then another deer comes by, walks and breathes in the same amount of stuff that they were. So it's very transmissible, especially in uh, captive. Uh, so places. like high fence, high fences, and like those the breeders that we get here a lot too. They can definitely spread a lot in that too. That's mm-hmm. kind of another big take about. And like that the, goes into that what we read two weeks ago about the whole big case. That I think Texas the issue. One. Yeah. I, th- I think. Yeah, the exactly. Issue with it being in like captive bred herds is that it's just such a highly dense population that they can't spread out. It spreads so easily. I mean, it spreads by breathing, and they're all in 
you know, like you said, it's such a densely packed area that it's like one of them gets it or they bring in one mm-hmm. deer that has it and it can take out a whole herd. What's the right. timeline? So let's say a deer gets CWD. I, What's the timeline from it getting CWD to death? I don't think they know that. I think because I think it ranges. I think it's like it can be like a month. It can be six months. It, it just can kind be of, a year. Yeah. It, it, it really depends because they don't lose all those functions like right off. Like right. the deer can have CWD. And continue to live a normal life for a little bit, and then it progresses much like a cancer would. Mm-hmm. Like, you can have cancer for years without showing any symptoms, okay. and then you finally start having a symptom. You go get tested, and it's like, oh, you got stage four cancer now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what is it? They, it's, it's in the spinal cord as well? It's in the central nervous system. Yeah. So, brain, okay. spinal cord, and those types of areas. And then they think in the lymphatic system, so your lymph noids. Okay. Um, so they do not know if there is, if it can jump to humans. There has been no, di- uh, no firm. There's been no species barrier jump as of yet. Okay. And people have eaten, uh, deer that have been CWD positive by choice. They didn't know. Not by choice. Like they, you know, they did it. They ate their meat beforehand. Even so they sent off their, the skull to be tested, they ate their meat, and they were like, hey, actually, the deer you killed a couple months ago was CWD, CWD positive. Oh, so you can't get a test that quickly. I don't know. I, it used to be take I a while. I think some of these areas, it does come back fairly quick. Yeah. They advise you not to eat it. But the, the scary thing is, yes, it has not made that species jump yet. Right. But it is very similar to mad cow disease. But even mad cow, I don't think, could make the species jump. No, it did. Do you not remember that? I know people went crazy because the cows were... I don't know if mad cow actually did the species jump. I'm pretty sure that it did. Google. Like, yeah. in, the, in the... I think it was in the 90s. No, it had to have because if you give blood, that was even one of the questions on the questionnaire. People can't get mad cow disease. Is that what Google says? Yeah. Huh. They can get a form of mad cow disease that's similar uh, called uh, Creutzfeldt-Jacob disease, uh, which is fatal, but it's different. But I, I think the, the scary yeah. thing is we just don't know. What happened to my water? Is that we don't know if it can or cannot make that species right. jump yet. As of right now, it hasn't. Mm-hmm. But, like, doesn't... I mean, microorganisms are smart, right? They are not smart, but, like, they... There's a reason why they've been around forever. So, what well, can they the, didn't think the coronavirus. I mean, they didn't know about it. This version of it at the beginning, but I mean, there's coronaviruses that are exist in nature that have not made the species jump, and then there are versions of the coronavirus that have made the species jump, right. meaning SARS or even the current one that we yeah. have right now. Yeah. So, okay, how does this affect the common man hunter? We're fortunate in Texas. I don't really think, unless you live in one of those counties, it's not something. Or you hunt in one of those counties. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's something. I think of like it doesn't keep me up at night, right? Now, every time I go hunt, I do think about it a little bit. Like I'm like, if I see a herd of deer, I'm probably not going to like look to eat the the real skinny one that looks like it's about to die. Um, but that's really the only thought I give it. Okay. Now, if I lived in a like, what is it? Missouri or wherever one that has Wisconsin. Like, Wisconsin that has like a huge population of it. I don't, to be honest, I don't know how, how often I would hunt if 
the like the almost the whole population had CWD. I don't think it's like almost the whole population. They just have a lot of counties with it. Okay. I don't know what their statistics are, but I wouldn't say that it necessarily would stop me from hunting. Yeah. I would still continue to hunt. I just think I would be more hard-nosed on like getting not eating it until it's tested. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And like so even like if I'm talking to my dad or someone back home and CWD has made it into the mainstream like news like a lot of people non-hunters are starting to become aware of this disease right that mainly only really affect hunters yeah um but they'll uh, are you going to get it tested like when I shot that hog and stuff and I ate it they were like, are you going to get tested? And I was like, no, not a hog. And they do the same thing with deer. Like, they constantly question me on it. And I'm like, I'm just making sure I cook it to correct temperatures. And although I did get sick off that hog, I have continued to eat it. Yeah, that's the thing, too, is that, like, realistically, I eat a lot of white tail, especially, that's, like, medium, medium rare, you know? So I'm not cooking it to the 160 that would kill anything. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so another question. What are Texas Parks and Wildlife's efforts to curb CWD spread in Texas? I don't know. So I don't know what their official stances and official, like, all their because official policies, but they do have policies in place. That might not be a bad thing to bring next week. Sorry, write that down, but you <laughs> just said that. It sounded like it was coming from behind me, so I, like, jumped. <laughs> um so, and I, I don't know much about this. That's why I'm asking a lot of questions, and I'm trying to hopefully asking questions that the listeners can resonate with. But I have heard about it, and I have heard people mention that Texas Parks and Wildlife is taking it very seriously. They do take it serious. I just don't know all their pet policies. It is policies. like high on their list. Well, because I mean, this so arguably this could really affect the uh, the amount of the hunting industry and the economy that surrounds it. Which is Texas. huge in Texas because we get a lot of people from other states to come here yeah. to hunt, whitetail specifically, and a lot of other exotics that we hold. Right. But I do know that they're taking it very serious. I'm just saying I don't know all their policies and stances on it as far as like native herds or wild herds mm-hmm. go. I do believe, and I might have some of my numbers wrong as far as like years of probation and all that, but I have heard that if you are a captive breed or a captive herd breeder and you, it comes out that you have CWD on your property, I think what I've heard is that you have to kill off the entire herd and you are not allowed to breed on that property for, I think it's like five to seven years. Wow, okay. Because it, they don't know how long it lives without a host mm-hmm. or anything like that. So they're just taking it super serious. And that is Texas Parks and Wildlife's prerogative, too, because based on the article you brought us a couple of weeks ago, that deer are owned by the state. Correct. And managed by Texas Parks and Wildlife. So doesn't matter if they're on your property. Texas Parks and Wildlife has the right to take care of them. Right to... Well, because it could, af- it could affect the native population. Correct. The wild herd. Or herds. So I'd be it might be worth trying to find out who's like the Texas Parks and Wildlife C W D guy. I might send him an email. Yeah, pretty cool. Get him on. Yeah. 
Because I am definitely interested in this. And uh, I think it's something that we all need to be made aware of, especially as cases are rising. And yes, still might be low as total numbers go, but you go from one county to eight counties, five counties to eight counties. I mean, that's still growing by mm-hmm. technicality. Yeah, and like I said, it went from five to eight just from January to now. Yeah. Which is about a year, you know, but still. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not good, you know. Who knows what to do? Just something we got to think about. And I, I, I think... Would you eat deer meat if you knew it had it in it? If you knew the deer was positive? I would not. I don't think I would either. Mm-mm. I'd just err on the side of caution. I'm not hurting that bad. Yeah. Um, now cool thing is, I cool thing is, Axe's deer have not tested positive yet. So, shoot an Axe's, you're golden. True. It tastes. <laughs> so to get tested, you have to <laughs> mail the head better. off. You have to mail the head off, or uh, there's like or deposit a node or something like that. Yeah, there's like deposit stands. Like in those counties, there are places where you can drop it off. You can drive into Medina, uh, like if you're going to the Medina River or. Medina Lake, or you're driving, I think it's towards Casterville to Zooks, mm-hmm. the meat market and stuff. There's a CWD testing facility on the way there. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. And even down south, there are places where you can that, do it. Where you can do it. It's just not mandatory and it's not everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I know I've passed one going down to the ranch. Hmm. It just, I, it getting, just said, I'm getting, test some, your, I'm getting some ideas. It just said, test your deer here. I'm going to look like up that deer. facility and yeah. see if they have a number and call them or call drop them. them off. Maybe we can go and check it out and talk to them and, and see what they look for. Do maybe. a podcast. Yeah, that'd be cool. I think, that'd be really neat, actually. Let me restate my position on that. Would I eat a deer that tested positive? I'm going to say it depends. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why? Why does it depend? Depends Cliff, how bad it, it is. depends, coward. Well, there's always nuance to, like, stories. You can't always take a hard nose. And I want to look into the nuance. Sometimes you can take a hard no, though. Yeah, Yeah. but I think in this specific case, like, how far... It's too far. Did... Had the deer gone with CWD? Like, is it in the late stages of CWD, like, about to die? Wouldn't probably eat it. Early stages, and it just tasted positive... Like, it looks perfectly normal. But how do you know? It's not going in for weekly checkups. <laughs> yeah, I know, but... Yeah, I just don't want to be that guy that, like... Cliff it, it, Cowart was the guy that made CWD jump to humans. Right. And then we start the next COVID because yeah, of then Cliff. Now we I'm going like, lick all the lollipops. <laughs> don't lick all the lollipops. <laughs> lick all the bluebell. <laughs> yeah, like that one. Those people on TikTok oh, when COVID started. I know. All right. Zach. Cool. Creature Watch. Very nice. Okay, Very guys. Nice. So I'm excited <laughs> for this one. Uh, this one is called the White River Monster. Ooh, you heard of Arkansas. It yes, you have. Oh, well, because of the White River. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. used hedging yeah. my bets there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just used my uh, on patrol deductive reasoning. All right. Very nice. <laughs> uh, cool. So the White River Monster. Its first sighting was when? What do you guys think? Wait, I want to. Before we go into that, or do you want to talk about that afterwards? After. Okay. okay. 
uh, continue. When, when was the White River Monster first sighted? 1964. No. 19. Was that close? Yeah, like 50 years. Oh. Nine. <laughs> that was clever. <laughs> Is it 50 years 19, earlier or 50 years 19, later? <laughs> 1914. <laughs> 1950. Oh, there you go, Cliff. <laughs> he said 50 years. I took 50 years off. That's hedging. There you don't gone. know what month it was in. Could have been 2015. I mean, it would have broken our 1995 rule. It was but. July. <laughs> yeah, it was July. Uh, so, it's in near Newport, Arkansas, the White River, obviously, which is in northeast Arkansas. So, the press demon a monster. But it is beloved by the locals. They've actually come to name him Whitey or her. They don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they believe that Whitey actually had a part in the Civil War. That as boats were going up the White River to bring um, bring supplies to troops. Wait, wait, wait. So how is it 1914 and then it was oh, yeah, believed yeah. to yeah, be helping just, in the Civil they War? They think, I don't know. They just they think it's been around for this years. This is my de- detective work. Anyway, continue. They they believe it's been around for years. Okay, so it was first sighted in 1914, but they're right. like, oh, it they you know. But they see it, after they've seen it so many times, they're like, oh, you know what? It makes sense because there has been like unexplained things that have been happening in this river for years and years and years. Mm. So what happened is um, several of the boats carrying supplies up the White River would just like randomly capsized and all the supplies would be ruined this happened on more than one occasion on the same stretch of river and nobody had an explanation there weren't rocks there weren't debris or anything like that but all of a sudden these boats just like would capsize Mm -hmm. so they believe that it was whitey that he was going around poking holes in these boats and making them sink um july 1st 1915 right the first sighting plantation owner uh, let's call him Barry, saw the river monster. He said that it had gray skin. He was as wide as a car, and he was three to four cars car lengths long. So, 1915 cars, though, uh, like that's like a Model T, maybe a Model A at that point. Mm-hmm. So, so is it creature fish like? What is like trying to just paint myself a picture? So it's like, uh, it's like, like a kind of, it's probably more like a big fish, but it might have legs. Like, okay. Right. Kind of like a big salamander, like kind of like if an angler fish, like, you know, like the big ugly angler, fl- mm-hmm. angler fish, if it had legs with like elephant skin. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So as rumors spread, right, people started getting more and more interested in it, and the town was like, we're going to catch it, right? So they started building a rope net, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they quickly, though, ran out of money and materials, and so they were just like, I guess we don't need to see it that bad. And so they just kind of gave up really quick after, um, mm-hmm. after making the net. So let's jump ahead to 1937. A fisherman uh, said he saw it, and it was almost impe- it was almost impossible to catch any fish, right? He's like on the White River, like you know what? This is my livelihood. Uh, what's going on? And then he finally saw it again. He said it had the skin of an elephant. He also said, "I don't know what that is." No, it's just a helicopter just hanging out right there. Watch a spotlight shine down in the garage. You're right. They're like they're in the garage. <laughs> Get it. Take them. Take them. <laughs> or is it a truck? 
No, it's a helicopter. It's like right on top of us. The hospital is right there. I wonder if they're uh, going to the hospital. It must be a life flight or something. That's sort. a good point. Uh, so cool. So 1937, the fishman couldn't catch any fish, right? So he finally said he saw it. It had the skin of an elephant. It was five foot wide, 15 feet long. He said it had the face of a catfish, right? But it had these weird, like, jagged teeth, and it had a bone sticking out of his forehead like a unicorn. Okay. So maybe that's how they capsized all the civil warships. Uh, the fisherman decided to take matters into his own hands, and he was going to kill the creature. So uh, he would figure he figured he would blow it up with TNT, right? So he's like getting all his TNT together, uh, but then the town uh, denied his permit, so he couldn't do it. Okay. So then more and more people start hearing about this, right? The media starts spreading this information all across the nation, and people started showing up to the White River in droves, right? They're like, we got to get pictures. Some people brought more explosives. Some people brought machine guns. People were just like, we got to see this creature, mm -hmm. right? Um, but after weeks of combing it with the, they finally put nets together, right? They finally got them. They had enough money. So after combing the river with nets, after sending deep uh, sea divers into it, they couldn't find it at all. And so they end up just saying it was a hoax. Okay. Uh, they said that Bateman was the fisherman. He created it, uh, even though more than 100 people at the time had said they saw it. So quite a few sightings. So people kind of saw it off and on. But then again, in the summer of 1971, there was another big eyewitness uh, sighting of the White River Monster. He said it was about the size of a boxcar, and he also agreed that it had a bone protruding from his face, uh, maybe like four or five feet long. Uh, it looked like... What year was this again? This one was 1971. Okay. He said it looked like the fish or the creature was kind of peeling all over, though. He said it had, like, shiny skin, but it was, like, peeling or maybe, like, melting. Like kinda. it had a sunburn and the skin was peeling? Maybe, yeah, yeah. Um, he also said that it made the sound of a cow mooing and a horse neighing at the same time. That <laughs> 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 yeah, was pretty close. Uh so people also say they see uh, weird footprints into in like in the mud that they're about 15 inches long and has three weird toes walking around and nothing else would have that footprint. Um, and then in 1973, people were like, we're done. We're tired of people trying to kill Whitey. So the Arkansas State Legislator, Legislature uh, signed a bill creating the White River Monster Refuge. And so it is a part of the White River where you cannot kill the White River monster. And I like to think that it's one of America's greatest environmental success stories. Uh, it's illegal to harm Whitey in this refuge. And, uh, yeah, biologists believe it probably is an elephant seal or maybe a uh, Florida manatee. But then they got all the way up the White River and... yeah. A Florida manatee might, you know. Mm -hmm. mm. I don't know. But that's the story of Whitey. That's awesome. Now, uh, do you have anything else? Nope, that's it. That's Whitey. I went to the San Antonio Zoo. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Checked up on old, our old friend, the Chupacabra, or should I say new friend, because he's not that old. Or is he? He has 1995. Well, 
actually. Is there conflicting information? There is conflicting. We're calling you out. Zach. Yeah, well, this is a call out. You're okay. a bad researcher. <laughs> Everything ISIS in 1995. <laughs> Maybe the zoo's making their stuff up. Okay. Either you or the zoo's lying, and we're going to find out who. <laughs> we're finding out tonight. So it was kind of cool. I mean, it was just like one exhibit of the Chupacabra. I'm sure you guys saw it. Nice cookies are good. Very oh, yeah, there's cool. peanut butter in them, so if you're allergic. It was, <laughs> it was very creepy looking. Um, Only if there was cat in it. <laughs> Just, yeah. Kendall went to Landon's place, picked up the cat hair, and put him in the cookies. <laughs> I'm really going to get Cliff. <laughs> so, on the exhibit, though, they have um, a little thing that says, a multi-cultured creature. Drawings of this nocturnal predator have been documented for centuries. From South Texas through Brazil, images of this species can be found anywhere with large goat populations. And if you look at this picture of the cave paintings, it's like a chupacabra-looking animal around a bunch of goats. So is it centuries old or is it... 20 years old? 20 years old. Maybe the name chupacabra was first in 1985, but there's been a goat sucker for years. Maybe. That's weird, though, the cave painting, but also could be like a dog watching over sheep. Well, a dog, like a sheep dog, and what this looks like are two Let me see again. Different. Show me. Like, this thing has spikes yeah, on its back like, and, like, doesn't sharp doesn't look like teeth. Lassie. It <laughs> doesn't look like Lassie. <laughs> That's true. That doesn't look it's like It's very, like, chupacabra-looking. Yeah. That's real? That is real. That's pretty weird. From the zoo. From the zoo. From the zoo. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a real image of a... San Antonio Zoo, don't lie. You do, though. What if they made all this up, though? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, but what if they made all this up just for Halloween? Like, what if those paintings aren't real? They started this way before Halloween, though. A it was month. for October. You mean, yeah, you mean yeah. like, October 1st? They did it for the month of October in like, Hall- for Halloween. July or something. No, it started like five or six weeks ago. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm the liar now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I went and I read that. I was like, is Creature Watch a lie? No. No, just as Zach goes. <laughs> Zach's looking. Guys, I think the Chupacabra cave paintings are made up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they just put those in there. You think so? Yeah, there's nothing. I mean, it, it very well could have been like a gimmick. To get or people maybe to to not called Chupacabra. No, but if you Google searched like Chupacabra cave painting, something like that would have had to yeah, come up. Yeah, and literally nothing comes up because that is like the biggest amount of like if if I found a Chupacabra cave painting, that would be everywhere. Did it say where that cave painting was found? Mm-mm. No. See, that's another thing because most cave paintings will be like in blah 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 France, like that's those right. earliest it, ones. Exactly. Now, who's the liar now? <laughs> San Antonio Zoo. We calling you out. <laughs> we calling you out. Your cave paintings were lie. Put me on blast. I'm going to look it up. They're oatmeal in these two? Do what? Are there oatmeal in these cookies too? Yeah. I like them. Oatmeal. There's a little bit of um, cornflakes. Mm. There's big chocolate chunks. That's yeah. the stuff. Man, they're good. Yeah, Kendall made them last night. Yeah, uh, okay, so yeah, even National Geographic, guys, which I'm going to believe more, more than San Antonio Zoo, uh, tales of a mysterious monster that sucks the blood of livestock have exploded oh. in Mexico, the U.S. Southwest, and even China since the mid-1990s. Okay, I found what happened. 
What happened? San Antonio Zoo is lying. Yeah, I know. Okay. Thank you, Zoo. We I figured it out. I found the cave painting, but it doesn't have the chupacabra in it. Yes, they made a chupacabra. So it has the goat. Same cave painting, no chupacabra. <laughs> Where'd you find that at? Google. You just Google. I Googled goat cave painting. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they took right, that now cave. Pull, now pull back up the cave painting, the chupacabra one. Yeah, I was like, because like that cave painting of the chupacabra is like pretty it's like. It's a little too good. It is. It's not, Well, it's not like good, like artistic. I mean, it is good artistically, but it's also very much like, how could you believe there's not a chupacabra, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Kind of like the Egyptian alien ones, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't talk about that, though. But I was going to call you out, but apparently San Antonio Zoo lies. Guys, they do my research. Also, I got lost in the zoo. They doctored a little bit of the sheep, too. Yeah. Or the How, horse. How'd you get lost in the, in the zoo? It's just a big old it's just horseshoe. Just a big old drive-thru. Yeah, it's a big old horseshoe. So, look at this. Notice. I mean, I already know it's fake. You don't have to show. You don't have to prove it to me. Yeah, we know. Plus, you got to right give us a description because mm-hmm. it's an audio you format. You see how that one... So, there's like a horse picture, could be goat, and it looks like someone's riding on the back of it on the original. Okay. And then you scroll over to the Chippecabra one. That part's not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's doctored. I was just trying to find out, like, is it actually the same same painting? I, I think it is. It looks identical. Yeah. And I, they probably doctored it up and changed the color. Or maybe the same artist. But right. they froze no, the, the zoo has it blocked off weird, I think, because of COVID. Yeah. And it forces you to go through exhibits. The gift shop. Like uh, a certain way. Like a certain way. And I got like stuck in the middle of that and was like, I'm just trying to leave. Wait, so there's only one way you can even go and you still got lost. No, you you can go two ways, but it... I had to like I don't even know I had to like go way around where the zebras were, loop back around to like an indoor because I couldn't just leave from outside like I was trapped. Um, I had to walk into where like the hippos were inside through an exhibit to like get out and then walk way around. Do they still they have the? It, they forced them to go through the gift shop. Yeah, yeah. Do they still have the bad exhibit next to the chupacabra? The bad exhibit was right next to the chupacabra. Yeah, bad exhibit is super cool. Yeah, it is. It was kind of a nice feature that they were side by side. Yeah, that really disheartens me. Heartens me that the San Antonio Zoo lied. Well, I'm happy. It means that I do my research well. All right, all of our listeners, all thousands of you. We want you to write an email to the San Antonio Zoo. Say, quit your lying. Quit your lying. Mm-hmm. We Just know. get better We exhibits. saw you. We know that Chupacabras have only been around since the 90s. Mm-hmm. And so it said the precedent of mid-1995. Creature watches have to be earlier than that. Yeah. Because of that. That would that would ruin our whole thing. That's still, like, I still can't believe any, like, <laughs> urban legends that happen within my lifetime. <laughs> All right. Especially one that's, like... Oh, no, Chupacabra's been around for years. Without any, like, definitive evidence. Like, yeah. if someone came up with a picture, a true picture, not a grainy Bigfoot picture, and was like, here's Chupacabra. Well, I there's not it. that many new ones. You think about, like, the time frames that Zach's been, like, giving us a bunch of them. It's, like, all, like, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, that time period where there's, like, no cameras. You know, people were more yeah. be- believable. Now, if someone... 
was like, you, also, you, you saw Bigfoot, I need a photo. Like, we just, like, everyone has cameras all the time. Right. Yeah, there wouldn't be an excuse think, now for not Honestly, honestly, in a state, because it primarily, it says, from Texas through Brazil, think of how many guns and hunters are in the state of Texas and how much time Texans spend outside and no one has shot that thing. Maybe there's only like one. two. Mm, I still think there was an onslaught at the zoo. That was well, pretty hey, cool. But like realistically, though, like somebody has one. The dude at the state <laughs> the fair. Dude at the, the state, state fair, fair, guys. He has at the, the rattlesnake power. roundup. Yeah. You still want to go now? That you've held a rattlesnake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, rattlesnakes are cool. Um. Uh. Oh, also, I was gonna say to all you listeners out there. If you have a specific creature you would like me to do some research on, let us know. Yeah. Or if you've seen one, we'll be the first to report it. That's right. Yep. Um, we won't believe it, but because it would have happened within my lifetime. <laughs> hey, you can see it whenever, but the first sighting has to be before 1995. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I just find it hard to believe. Not that I believe the old ones either, but those are more interesting to me. Like... Those, I think, that people actually saw, they didn't know what was going on, and so their mind just tried to make sense of it. Yeah. If it's 95, I feel like someone was trying to, listen for this pun, get your goat. Get your goat. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, gosh, we're already at an hour 22. Well, I don't think we're going to have time for our main topic. No, it was like question topic day. Yeah, we, we really wanted to, like, CWD and our yeah. questions. I will uh, – Ian's not here, but I wanted to re- – he, he recently did a pretty short article. I wanted to read it for our listeners. Have you guys read this one, The Destination? No, no I have not. Y'all haven't? No, read it to me. All right. Three ways to save money for a destination fly fishing trip. Are you going to tuck us in? Yeah, I'll tuck you in. That sounds dirty. <laughs> kind of nice. Um, now, Ian – uh, is a little bit older than us. Working man, saved up, pinched pennies for a while to go to Christmas Island, and so uh, here's his advice on how to save money to go on a fly fishing trip. Unless you're inordinately wealthy, successful, or finally hit the jackpot on that gas station scratch off, then you'll probably have to budget for your next destination fly fishing trip. Whenever that is, it takes careful planning, focus, and determination. Here's a few ways to get started. Tip number one, live with your parents. Everyone calls millennials the boomerang generation like it's a bad thing. Yes, maybe you're rocking to your folks' unfinished basement to the chagrin of your buddies, but who's going to be laughing when your Instagram is full of bonefish, tarpon, and permit, and they are just red with jealousy? It's all about priorities. Number two, stop contributing to retirement. I'm not saying forever, (laughs) just for a few months. We'll probably get a few letters from financial advisors telling us how unwise this is, but one truth in this post- modern world is that you can't buy your time back no matter how hard you try also we're not guaranteed tomorrow it's true and tip number three join a multi-level marketing company (laughs) this will likely burn all your personal relationships when you reach out to talk about the new business venture i'd like to share with you but if you play your cards right essential oils could end up buying you a plane ticket to belize alaska new zealand or the seychelles plus it'll be an interesting conversation when you're sitting next to a hedge fund manager on the carrier plane to the lodge (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> how did you get here sold a bunch of tea tree oil so yeah that's this is how ian paid for his uh christmas island trip 
Thankfully, we met him after his multi-level marketing days. Right. Oh, man, that would have been pain. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Speaking of multi-level, do y'all have any, like, old friends that are multi-level marketers now? I, I got a couple have, of them now, man. I do know some people. I don't know how multi-level, like, Young Living is. but I've heard, like, It is an MLM. I have heard of those, of Young Living being part of one. Uh, I know people who sell... Pampered I have heard Pampered Chef. I've yeah. heard... One, back in college, there was a bunch of girls who did one that sold uh, Mary Kay. No, but I do know people who do Mary Kay. Yeah. But it was... Um, I remember the people had like the intimate little... Intimate items. Oh, oh, wait, what? Yeah. I've heard about that when they throw parties. Yeah. I've not heard that one. For... I mean, like, I know people who did like Mary Kay and candles. Um, so, oh yeah, what's the candles one? Scentsy. Scentsy. That was yeah. the other one. Oh I yeah. Know. Oh, we can, like, we'll just freak promotion of the worst. I did. <laughs> when I was young in college, some knife company reached out to me, and sure. it was a multi-level. And I know one guy who did get go into it and try to sell me knives once, and I was like, Nah. I don't All need I've knives. read recently is about that. Um, what's it called? Unique is like a new one. They know. do shampoo, and right. apparently, and I have I. There's a couple of my Facebook friends who I've had to like mute because oh, yeah. of all the unique posts. I go, I ghost them, and like they're like, no. they're like uh, posting about how this is miracle shampoo, yada yada yada. But there's like all these huge pending lawsuits about like uh, unique burning people's scalps and making their hair fall out. Oh dang! Like a big class action lawsuit pending right now about it. I think Kendall gets targeted more for those because I like. I feel like more of her friends do that, do the multi-level marketing thing. Mm-hmm. But I've pretty much got her on board with just like ghosting them. Like mm-hmm. we don't, we don't even, we don't associate with those kind of people. Yeah, yeah. Not no. never once has one of those products been a beneficial product. Well, the thing is, you have to buy to sell it, and then they trick you into thinking you're your own business owner. But you're not. But you're not. You work for the man. Yeah, you're just a salesperson for their company. Right. And you don't get commission based on your sales, though. You get commission based on how many more people you sign up. So you end up burning all the bridges of yeah. all the people that you know. Yeah. The issue I have with them is a lot of people will sink, like, their nest eggs and all this other stuff and a lot of money. Because they can start this, their own business. Yeah. And they try to sh- sell you that it's going to be the way that you – Finally, break out of the rat race and the nine to five grind. Hey, somebody's got to drive stuff. the pink Cadillac. Yeah, I'm a working. I, I'm a mom at home. I can make my own hours and I can spend all the time with my kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just got to do. Yeah. I'm not calling people who do that wrong or dumb necessarily. I'll call them wrong. But yeah, it's you it's do just, do your research. It's before a scam. Signing on with it, that it, stuff. It, it's a scam. It is, but it's a scam and it's annoying for your friends. It is. You burn. You end up burning bridges. Right. Every time I talk to you, when I sell me Juice Plus, I don't care. Juice Plus was a gummy like 15 years ago. Oh, was it? That was a big MLM. I think the original was Tupperware. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's not a pyramid scheme. It's a triangle. (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys seen uh, Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to sell a Tupperware. (laughs) He's like, it's so strong, I can drive over it. (laughs) It just rolls over it. It breaks. Dang it. Dang it. (laughs) It just draws off. So, um, if you guys want to find more great articles like that from Ian that are not super serious and pretty funny, um, you guys can go to our website and go click on blog. Ian's written 
written most of our stuff because yeah. he's a really good writer. He he, uh, Cliff has written a couple articles, um, and uh, they're good as well. So you get, run over to our website, honeyhollingly.com, check out our blog, leave Ian a nice comment since he couldn't be here with us today. Yeah. If you guys... Um, to, if you guys want us to do like a main topic on something, you know, we always do the questions and we tend to spend like maybe five minutes on a question. But if you want us to really like deep dive into something or you want us to write an article about something or you want us to s- want to see us make a YouTube video about something. Or do more research into something. Or do more research into something, just let us know. So uh, we're here to help you guys out and we're here to hang out with each other. But in the meantime, help you guys out. Yeah. So anyway, we can. We're happy to. Um, we don't have Ian for Ian's closing words of wisdom, but I have some closing words of wisdom. Okay, go don't join an MLM. Don't join an MLM. Or right. do I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, on that note. Peace out, home dog. <laughs>